quick question, just for my own curiosity. Does anybody else have a hard time reading that on red? Okay. Note to self. Oh. John chapter 6. It's a long chapter. <clears throat> and it reports a roller coaster couple of days in the life of Jesus. It begins in amazing fashion with 5,000 plus hungry people and Jesus feeding them all with a kid's lunch. And later that same day in the evening, Jesus came a-walking on the water to his nervous disciples in the midst of choppy waves. The next day, that 5,000 who had followed Jesus and even more, that 5,000 plus who had followed Jesus and even more, began to hear rumors and began to spread those same rumors that Jesus had strolled atop the waves in the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd, which was already huge, grew more so. And then... Jesus said the wrong thing. Concerned over many of his followers' motives, he was concerned that they might be following him just so they could get some free food out of it. Jesus declared that he was the bread of life come down from heaven above. Now immediately, that, that doesn't sound like that big a deal. We've heard that verse all our lives, so we don't think about it. But immediately the religious troublemakers began to question Jesus' legitimacy. After all, he didn't come from above. He was the kid of Joseph and Mary, and he grew up in that squalor of a town, Nazareth. And even more controversy arose as Jesus said that not only was he the bread of life, but that his flesh was the bread. And unless his followers eat the flesh... They can't be his disciples. <clears throat> Yuck and yikes. This presented a real problem for many who were listening to him, as it sounds as if Jesus might be insinuating some sort of cannibalism in his teaching. Debates broke out. Wild debates broke out among Jesus' followers and the religious leaders among them helped stir up the trouble. And some people, some people who had seen him heal, who had seen the miracles, some people who had eaten that bread from that and fish from that kid's lunch, people started to leave. First a couple, then a few, then a steady stream, and finally kind of a stampede. Which brings us to the amazing passage which was read this morning. At this, many of his disciples turned away and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are God's Holy One. Jesus asked a very real question among those remaining disciples. Not many were left. Imagine how fast this fell apart. 
He was feeding 5,000 the afternoon before, and now he's down to just a handful. And so he asks a very real question. Are you going to leave me as well? And Peter's profound existential answer came in the form of the question, where would we go? And I have no doubt that that question comes from the very heart of Peter, from the, from the pit of his soul, from his splachna. Where would we possibly go now? And I have to be honest, sometimes I ask the same questions. The same question. Because sometimes I get so frustrated. But unlike John 6, I don't get frustrated with Jesus or Jesus' teaching or Jesus' call on my life or my faith. As the Doobie Brothers sang a long time ago, Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus and me, we're, we're cool. My problem is with the people who say they speak for Jesus. Folks who speak like they have some authority to speak for God. My issue is not Jesus. My issue is cultural Christianity and the way it does not reflect, the way I see it anyway, the persons and teachings of the Founder. Sometimes in my frustration I think to myself, oh, what else could I be? Because I don't really want to be lumped together with these people who say they speak on behalf of Jesus, but say things that I find detestable, inaccurate, and downright mean. You have heard me say it before. I struggle with the labels that I need to put on myself as a follower of Jesus. There was a day when I proudly called myself an evangelical. But what evangelical meant was very different in that day. And I cannot call myself that when I listen to the line that so many evangelicals press. I call myself a Christian, and yet so many things that are done and said in the name of Christianity are the absolute antithesis of what I believe about being a Christian. Hmm. Examples. I learned racism in the church. I didn't learn it because I took a class in it. I learned racism by listening to people in the church talk about people of color and about migrants and about people who came from places from which they didn't come. I didn't learn sexism and misogyny in the church, but it is like there is a master's course taught within the church on sexism and misogyny. I have had serious discussions with church leaders about the limits to the role that women may play in the life of the church. I have been in churches where women weren't allowed to teach men. I have been in churches where women in leadership were dismissed as deficient. And don't even get me started about homophobia in the church. As a pastor and the parent of a gay child, I have heard it, been shocked by it, been offended by it, and mourned over it. And in a culture where the church seems more bent on acquiring political power than it is on preaching the gospel of Jesus, 
I find myself saying time and time again, I don't belong here in this. And Peter's question, where would we possibly go, becomes the existential question for many of us when the religious community and the religious leaders seem to think and act and believe so differently than we do. Where could we go? And this is where I get stuck. Because there's no place I want to go other than with Jesus. The Jesus that I experienced when I was 15 years old and the Jesus that I experience now at 61 is enough. As Peter finishes his thought, when Jesus asked the question, Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are God's holy one. I agree wholeheartedly with Peter. Right on, dude, I got it. The gospel of Jesus, as I understand it, is a gospel of love and grace and mercy and comfort and kindness and service. That's the message of Jesus that I read in the gospels and that I buy into wholeheartedly. So how could I possibly think about going somewhere else? So then the question becomes not so much about where can we go, but how can we reflect Jesus, the Jesus that we understand from the Gospels, who is so unlike the Jesus that we see represented by so much of the religious establishment? And I think there are two basic answers to that question. Probably more, but here's two. The first answer is this. Regardless of what we see other people say or do, we strive to stay faithful to the teachings of Jesus as we understand them. There's this really great scene near the end of the movie, The Last Jedi. That's not the Star Wars movie that just came out, but number eight in the series. The rebels are hiding in a cave on the planet of Crait. A huge blast door is all that separates them from Kylo Ren and the First Order. A battery ram cannon is about to blast that door open and the rebellion is about to be squashed. So Finn, flying an old rusted skin speeder, decides to fly into the cannon, hoping to blow it up. It is a suicide mission. And at the very last second, right as he is moving into the heart of the cannon, another skim speeder piloted by Rose knocks him off course, saving his life. Finn challenges her decision to protect him against the cannon. Why did you stop me? He asks. And Rose responds, I saved you, dummy. That's how we're going to win. Not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. People who say they speak for God may say some serious nonsense, but we respond not by hating or despising, but by reflecting Jesus to the world. Treat others the way you want to be treated. 
Turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. Love one another. Practice kindness. Seek God. Where where might we go? We go straight to the heart of the teachings of Jesus. The second answer to the question is that we find fellow believers with whom we share commonality in our understanding of who Jesus is. I'm not saying that we ignore everybody else, but I am saying that it is important for us to be connected to a community where there is a common understanding that God of love revealed through Jesus Christ is the God we will worship and follow. We will choose love over hate. We will choose grace over judgment. We will choose acceptance over rejection. We will choose inclusion over exclusion. And I can say today, as frustrated as I sometimes am over the religious posturing in our culture, I am equally as proud of what I see happening at Second Baptist Church week after week. We recognize that we come from different places and have different ideas. Some of us say we're recovering from our upbringing in church life. We realize that we're not always going to agree with each other theologically or doctrinally. And honestly, we just don't care too much about that. But we also know that we are bound together by the love of God, which causes us to live out the gospel in kindness and love. We are bound together by a commitment to the God of grace and by a commitment to support and encourage and lift up and challenge and care for each other. Where would we go? We will go right here in the midst of this beloved community that strives to hear and practice the love of God which has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.